Hello. We've been expecting you. I'd like to welcome you to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we will be discussing Book 1, Episode 9, The Waterbending Scroll. Today on our panel we have Lindsay. Hello. And a very special guest, Delia. Hey. What's up? <laughs> Possibly Charles and Corey will be joining us later. They are not here now, though, so we will, I will let you know if they get on. I, of course, am Mark. And this is our episode. So first and foremost, we have a special guest today. So we're going to start with you, Delia. Okay. What is your experience with this show, Avatar The Last Airbender? Um, I mean, I watched it on Nickelodeon when it first became a thing. And I watched the series through. And um, I look back fondly. I often think about what, what I would be able to bend if I could bend things. And then get very sad that I can't bend things. I don't understand how Sokka doesn't have like a horrible I mean he does have an inferiority complex but I don't understand how it's not much worse so I mean he, he, he does so so what kind of bender do you think you would be or are you a non-bender with some kind of special attribute um I don't know I kind of I kind of usually settle on earth but I don't know if I actually want earth so what what do you think I would be marker I I haven't given it enough thought that's a very bold question well um all right so great so welcome welcome to the show um you should have a fun episode uh to talk about a little different coming off of last week where you know the last two weeks we've had like very plot centric huge world building stories this one a little bit much more character focused a little bit different so as per usual we will start with our initial thoughts um so Lindsay, why don't you kick us off your initial thoughts on this episode this episode is one of my favorite in the entire series it's just it's so fun it shows the struggle that katara faces in understanding waterbending because we know like how great of a waterbender she's gonna be but even her she's just like she's downtrodden about like ang being like just mastering waterbending so fast because he's the avatar but then also even shows a different side of her like miss goody too she's like we have to do the right thing yay and meanwhile, she steals a, like, a goddamn waterbending scroll from pirates. Like, I'm just like, damn, that's impressive, Katara. Like, it just, it shows, like, a bolder side to her. And I feel like also then the way that it shows Zuko's interaction with the whole thing, it's like, it's just very fun to watch. And you don't really know what to expect next in this episode. So, it, again, it's, it's just one of my favorite episodes, the entire thing. And it also is my favorite because, and Mark's going to hate me for this, this is actually the episode when I started shipping Zuko and Katara. So. <laughs> oh, there'll be plenty of ship because there's a lot of, <laughs> there's so much Katang in this episode, but we'll, we'll get to that later. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, Same, neither do I. Oh, please. <laughs> I mean, this is the episode where it finally happens where you and I go at it. I'm, I mean, Lindsay's ship is much better. I'm just saying. No, it's not. It is, though. Um, okay, you're factually wrong. <laughs> But more importantly, because we're not we, we're welcome. not starting this now. Because if we start this now, it's going to be a six-hour episode, and that's episode not going to happen. Last week was a disaster because of how off-topic and triggered we got. <laughs> Mainly me. Like, so Delia, <laughs> yes, Delia. So your initial thoughts on this episode? Uh, go ahead. Um, I wish that Corey was here because I know, even though I don't know him, I know that he fights with you a lot, Mark. So I feel like he would side with me a little bit more because 
as I told you yesterday, I I really don't like Katara. And in this episode, I was consistently annoyed with her. And <laughs> as opposed to being kind of impressed with her, I just saw her as being really selfish and hypocritical. And I had no sympathy, really. And when Iroh pointed out that it was her fault, I was like, yeah, yeah Iroh, it is her fault. It's completely her fault. All of this is her fault. So that's how, yeah, here we that are. That was a good moment. Iroh's yeah, the was. best. Well, yeah. But yeah. yeah, I don't, I'm, the episode is a good episode. I just, it highlights everything about Katara that I don't like. All right. Um, so for me, I I echo Lindsay's sentiment somewhat, but I think just like toned down a little bit. Um, I well, I think Lindsay's like she loves this episode for all of those reasons. I like this episode for a lot of those reasons. Um, I don't think this is like a great. I mean, let's say I don't think this is like an exceptional episode. I think this is still in line with most of the episodes that we've seen, um, other than the Spirit World, um, that I think was was a cut above the, the rest, but still in the same sort of um, same vein. Um, there's a lot to like in this episode. Um, to some degree, with what Delia was saying, I, I don't disagree with in that this is an episode with a lot of flaws for Katara, but I think that that's. I, I take the exact opposite approach, but this is why I like it. I like that Katara is not this one-note friendship character that way too often shows up in animes where or, or, or children's shows where it's like, this is just a character who does nothing but hope speeches. And, like, they poke fun of that later on in, mm-hmm. in Ember Island players, like mm-hmm. Katara being yeah. the one who cries over hope. But she's a lot more complicated than that, and I think that this episode does that. Um, yeah. I also think that there's a lot of really subtle storytelling in this episode that that is really good um there's there's just a lot of stuff in here that you don't notice so much on the first time through but you looking back now um i I really like appreciate when it comes to the world building with the pirates the fact that um you see ang sort of naturally being such such a gifted bender is important um and stuff that i will will get into to Mm -hmm. as we go and obviously we'll talk a lot about our disagreements over Katara as we go through this episode. Um, yeah, um, that, I will gonna... say one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I was just going to say, while I am quite annoyed with her throughout the episode, I do acknowledge, though, that she's a child. You know, she's 13 mm-hmm. or 14. So, like, I'm yeah, not they're... saying, like, you know, she's a kid. So, I mean, it's I as much as you can the... dislike a teenager, I suppose. I would say the exact opposite, that she is actually very much not i mean in this episode a little bit but throughout the show she is not a kid she because this this show is so much about um the loss of childhood and how war sort of pushes people outside of childhood and i think that that's um that's true but like i said we'll get into that as we go so we're going to move into our episode discussion um and this is really the first time i mean i guess technically it was true last week but that that was much more a a two-part episode where we actually get a pretty clear sense of where this fits in relative to the last episode. It, it's pretty clear this is directly mm-hmm. following uh, the last one with Aang sort of freaking out about um, the what he's heard from Roku, and it, it doesn't feel like any real time has passed, although they are clearly out of the Fire Nation. So that's the mm-hmm. only thing. And I know we, we spent like a lot of time last week discussing like the weirdness yeah. <laughs> of time and distance and everything and i i so and i still think that's true i don't i think it's it's actually somewhat more noticeable in this episode because it's mm-hmm. like very clearly following directly from the last one but then where are we exactly yeah. i'm not i don't know but 
fine, whatever. It was, you know, it's not the biggest deal in the world. Um, and, I mean, for a brief moment, and I timed it, two minutes and ten seconds, <laughs> Aang is freaking out about what he needs to do. He had concern. And, af- <laughs> and after that two minutes and ten seconds, it's completely gone, and we don't see it again for the rest of the season, For really. decades. But there are two minutes and ten seconds where Aang is actually concerned about the state of the world and being the Avatar. So mm-hmm. I was See, that's like, why okay. I would say right now there's still kind of kids. I think later on, as things progress, um, and I think now to an extent they're not exactly children, but seeing Aang go from being so serious to back to his normal self is why I would say they're still, you know, they're still kids. Uh, I mean, you you say it as kids. I I look at it a lot more of just Aang's character as a whole. That he's just he's not comfortable with being the Avatar yet, and just he doesn't want to bear any responsibility. And I, I don't. I I mean, yes, there to some angle he's twelve, and 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 it is too soon for him to be taking up this mantle. So it's not. I don't think that's entirely wrong. But I, to me, it's a lot more about Aang's character as a whole, where he's just he is not comfortable with his responsibilities so he just shies away from them and in in this episode we sort of for a moment he sees it and he's like i need you know oh my god look at all the stuff that i need to do and then it just immediately falls apart because he oh i want to go do something fun instead and a lot of that also is comes down to i mean I, and i've said this a couple of times and i'll say this you know repeatedly because I think this is the central crux of Aang's Aang's character is the pull between being an airbender which means freedom and doing what you want and you know living living life a certain way and being the avatar which is the exact opposite of freedom where you have all of these responsibilities you're forced to be a certain certain thing because you have a responsibility to the world and Mm -hmm. I think that's that that the airbender in him lands in this at this this beach and sort of moving forward because obviously they they land and they see this um you know this great waterfall and 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 lake and the airbender him wants to just jump in and go have a good time and have fun because that's what he does Mm -hmm. and you know katara has to remind him no we're here to train come on Mm -hmm. the the moment for me that i kind of realized specifically like kind of like oh man he has he has that focus and it's gone it wasn't even that moment it was later on the episode when they were actually at the market and when Sokka's like, okay, we, we only have, like, we have $3. And then Aang just goes, oh, actually, yeah, sorry, uh, make that one less, because I bought this bison will sell. Like, yep. that, that for me, and it, it was such a pointless thing to buy, too. Like, obviously, at the end of the episode, it wasn't. But you know what I mean, though? It was, like, mm-hmm. one of those moments you're just like, how much money do you think? Like, no, like you're on limited resources, and you're just like, oh man, look at that whistle. It looks like a bison. Although it comes out, comes back, that whistle is super important. No, I I know that. But no, I know, I know, I know what you're saying. No, I know what you're saying, and and I know what you're saying, and yeah, I think you're right that especially when we get to the market, it's like it's completely gone. That's but it was just, it was just, like. it was just funny to me. Like they land, and immediately Ang's like, "Don't wait for me, buddy. I'm going swimming." And mm-hmm. it's like, "No, Ang, you come on, like." Yeah. Like, we just went over this. The thing that I find kind of um, funny about the whistle is that, obviously, by the end, he knows what its purpose is, because if you're falling out of the sky, you're not going to just blow a pointless whistle. Um, so I don't see why, when he bought it, he he didn't mention what it was for. He kind of just accepted that Katara and Sokka were slightly annoyed with him for spending their money. 
As opposed to saying, wait, no, this is going to, like, signal Appa to come to us. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I think that, to some degree, I think that Aang just, I don't know if he, I think he almost, like, doesn't entirely believe it. Like, he's like, this might come in handy, and then it it turns out that it does. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll talk about that when we get, Mm -hmm. um, we get further down. Yeah. Um, so in the start of the episode, um... I like, and I mean, we get sort of, this is very, um, very much following up with last week with um, the, the the sort of similarities with Zuko and Aang, and sort of we get another juxtaposition of Zuko and Aang training, um, and it's sort of interesting that Zuko is sort of the much further along one, he's, you know, although Aang is obviously a better airbender in terms of waterbending versus firebending, and, mm-hmm. and Zuko is kind of just sparring with members of the crew, he's not... Ira's not really teaching it at this moment. It's it's a lot more like just sparring for the sake of sparring because he wants to get better. And we see Ang who kind of needs a lot of kind of coaxing to get into this. And I think it's just an interesting like seeing mm-hmm. Zuko's focus as opposed to Ang's. Um, Sorry, hold on one moment, ha- guys. I mean, keep talking. And, and, but and seeing how um, seeing how Zuko sort of has a certain way that way. Yeah, it's definitely interesting uh, comparison of the two, because like we've talked about it before, how um, again, like they're just they're completely different characters, but especially with Zuko, like just very much like rigorous, set on what he's doing, and just very like to the book. This is going to be very difficult mm-hmm. for him to edit. Um, yeah, I, I think that's true. Um. So then we, we start the um, we start the training um, and right off the bat I like that um, you can already see like even though she has no experience with this that that Katara kind of knows a little bit about teaching in terms of like she's tapering expectations but using a lot of positive reinforcements and yeah. I think it comes back really well um, later on in bitter work when Toph is first training Aang and mm-hmm. you know Katara <laughs> goes to him like I've been training Aang for a long time he responds to gentle reinf- you know positive reinforcement yeah. or a gentle push and then we see Toph's training style which is completely the opposite and she's just like I'm going to throw a rock at you you'll move yeah. it or you'll die catch it um, <laughs> sorry I'm and back. I, I, which is which is great and um, I think that it's you, you sort of um, you just get a lot of you get a lot of that with, with the sort of Katara become sort of growing into this teaching role even though this episode is really her failing in many ways to be a teacher it's nice mm-hmm. that at the start at least you can see that she is naturally a good teacher. She just need as long as she's in a good mental state. I don't know about you, but personally, as a teacher, I find I work best when I steal from people. I, that's true, <laughs> but it's you represent the Bronx, which is a different world. What? What? <laughs> um. And all right. Well, I wrote it into the notes, so I guess we can. I guess we can start having this argument now. Um. I really like. <laughs> Ang's line in in thanking when sort of you know Katara is right off the bat sort of feeling a little bit um, depressed or a little bit self conscious about Ang getting the getting the first move really fast and very quickly this is going to fade away because Ang honestly doesn't do a particularly good job of comforting Katara this episode but in that one line I think that it does encapsulate a little bit of why I ship Katang so hard mm-hmm. because you see like Ang. He's genuinely thankful for to Katara for teaching this. Like he's not like smug or like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm learning because I'm better or anything. Like I don't need you. It's like very clearly he's better. He doesn't. He really doesn't need Katara at this exact moment. He's going to later on. 
but he thinks that he does. And I, I really love that. And for just a brief moment, you see Katara believing in herself and Aang being able to get Katara to believe in herself. And I, I absolutely adore that. And that's, for me, that's Aang and Katara's relationship is, is how well they support each other and how well Aang needs Katara in a way that is just without her. I, I mean, I, I've said before, I'll, I'll, I probably will say again and get you guys to disagree with me, but that I think Aang saves the world for Katara. I think that Katara is like genuinely vital to Aang's character growth, and without her, I don't think he would have... I don't know. It would have things would have gone completely differently, and not just from a oh, if things were different, obviously they would be different. He wouldn't have Katara, but from a he would have struggled a lot more with accepting his role um, of the Avatar. And to me, this is a, a good sort of just very subtle way of reinforce or of start not really reinforcing, but starting that building the foundation of how important Katara is to Aang's ability to grow and learn. Yeah, and Tutara and, shippers start disagreeing with me. No, I mean, I don't. Oh, sorry, sorry. Lens, I, go ahead. I respect that totally, and I totally agree. Like, they the relationship between the two, like, it is vitally important to the entire show. Like, nothing would be the same without Katara, and she definitely does play a role in his, like, trying to save it. But my, my biggest issue with the entire. And I'm sorry, I'm going to be repeating this throughout the entire series as it goes you, on. That's fine. But that's, what my, would we be if not repetitive? My biggest problem is they have such a great relationship. And so I kind of always saw it as they basically, the I felt like the creators were basically saying like, wow, like, you know, look at how such, look at how great these two people are together. We got to make it romantic. Like that, that for me is what always kind of bothered me that these two characters of like they can't just be like that and not be romantic and but like okay. I just I always consider like especially like friendships I have like with you and me Mark like we have a very deep and respected relationship for each other but that doesn't mean that we're dating each other like I don't know it just it seemed to me almost like it was always flirted upon like oh you maybe they like each other okay maybe just a little bit whatever but then i just i felt like it i don't know it just always seemed I, to at the end like oh yeah look at that they're together like i i get what you're saying and i and i do agree with you from the standpoint of i want more platonic friendships between men and women in um media because mm-hmm. i think that's very important i think that that is real life i think just because to a, a man and a woman are close friends with each other obviously does not mean that they're together and the, the opposite is also true just because two you yeah. know women or two men are very uh, close friends doesn't mean they can't be together mm-hmm. um, and I think it is it is very important but for me I look at romance very much in the the idea of first and foremost you should be friends with the person that you are with mm-hmm. and you take two people you who are who have this ability to have a deep relationship, a deep friendship, and you just add to it the layer of okay, they're also attracted to each other, or they're also romantically interested in each other. And I would agree with you if there was nothing between Ang and Guitar romantically until like the moment it just was there. But mm-hmm. 
and maybe I, you know, I read this, you know, I'm, I read into things a lot more. And, and if, if you don't see it, that's completely all right. Yeah. But for me, I see it early on. I see it um, all throughout book one. Um, and then especially, I mean, you get to an episode like Cave of Two Lovers. I, I think it's very clear to me that these two people are interested in each other. And they just have trouble figuring out with how exactly to get together. Mm-hmm. And that to me is, is the point, is that if you can have two people who are are really close friends who also happen to be interested in each other, that's the recipe for perfect romance. And what I do, or the, the other reason I really love Aang and Katara's relationship is that there's no, like, very little, like, f- constant fighting. They're not belligerent towards each other. Mm-hmm. They're not... They're just really good friends who rely on each other, and that to me is so much more real than the idea of, oh, they fight all day at the time, they must be in love. And, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to start really shitting on Zutara hard, but that's kind of how I see Zutara, is like, they fight all the time, oh, wouldn't it be great if they get together? I'm like, no, that's not reality. If you fight all the time with the person you're with, mm-hmm. your life is not good. But we'll yeah. talk about Zutara when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I mean, do you I have don't anything to add on this brief Katang aside. I mean, I don't necessarily think that you're wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't hate the ship all that much. Um, I don't know. I think that Zuko and Katara have a more complex relationship in a way later on. Because I mean, they're close at the end, kind of. Well, not close, but they're friends in the end of it all, and. I think I don't know. I just always found their relationship much more interesting, which but I think my, is why I ship it more counter easily. To, my counter to that is just because their relationship is more complex or just because their relationship is more interesting doesn't mean that they're better romantically together. Oh no, I don't and necessarily I think, think that's true. I ship it because I like it better, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a better relationship. That said, I, I don't. I, I what I judge things based on how well I think they would function as a real relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, in terms of I functionality, just... I think Katara and Aang would probably be better. But in terms of just my own preference, I suppose I do not ship it. Fair enough. Um, so the other really I think important thing about this initial uh, thing, and I mentioned this a little bit in the intro, and I've mentioned this also a little bit last week with with Roku. I think it's really important that Aang learn, is able to learn waterbending very easily, even though eventually we're going to see Katara sort of speed ahead and become better because she's more disciplined. Mm-hmm. At first, you can see that Aang just has a natural talent that Katara doesn't and that other people in this world don't. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important because we hear a lot about, oh, the Avatar is really important. Yeah, you can bend all four elements. But the question is, like, how... Is the Avatar actually better than everyone else? And yes, that is the answer. Eventually, we're gonna we're gonna see more so that the Avatar is it's not just someone who can bend all four elements, but someone who is an amazing bender of anything. And in re- in all honesty, Aang isn't even that like great of a bender if you really compare him to the other Avatars we see. Like Korra and Kyoshi are definitely bar none stronger benders than Aang is. Mm-hmm. Roku, yeah. we don't see enough of to really. To, to have a particularly good um, understanding, um, I'd put him in the same about the same level as Ang. But I think that's just it's just an important like little bit of thing here where it's like if Ang Ang will struggle with bending, he will struggle with earth bending because of mental blocks. But it's important that like Ang is just naturally a gifted bender because the Avatar mm-hmm. has to be. 
It's more, yeah. the avatar is more than just, oh, the person who can bend all four elements, but actually the person who is also objectively the best bender, period. Yeah. He's literally the master of all four elements. Like, it's in the title. I mean, he does yeah. struggle quite a bit with Earth, though. Yes, but that's a that's a mental, entirely a mental problem. His problem with earthbending is not that he doesn't have the talent, because if you see, even in that episode, the moment the block is gone, he's throwing rocks everywhere and everything's good. It was just, initially, he had all of his trouble earthbending even a little bit. And then you see later on, I know you haven't seen it all, but you see in Korra, Korra has this major mental block with airbending because it's just totally incompatible with her entire view of the world. But as soon as she gets over that mental block, she's immediately a very gifted and very good airbender. It's not like, oh, now she's starting from square one. And I think that's that's the point. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of also, just oh, real quick, you mentioned yeah. that whole idea of the, um, the whole block thing. And I think that, especially with learning water, because I feel like water and air signs, they, they are just very similar just because of the uh, free-flowing kind of belief of it you know what i mean yeah so that definitely adds to ang's not as difficult time learning waterbending i feel that's why it kind of surprises me that cora struggled with it like i would think that she would struggle with fire since it's sort of the opposite in terms of um yeah but the elements cora's, cora's mental block is nothing to do with and, I, and as, as as I say every week, I feel like as not to go too deep into Cora, but it, it's not Cora's block is not about um, for Ang. It's as an Airbender, it's very hard to be super stable and strong. For Cora, it's not about being a Waterbender. It's that she's lived her life completely controlled, so she has no concept of freedom, mm-hmm. so she can't be free like an Airbender, and that's that's Cora's problem with mm-hmm. Airbending. Um, so yeah, the other and then the other small thing. I keep saying this. Katara's face when Aang is 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 launching that wave. The facial expressions in this show are Perfect. just incredible. Yep. I mean, outside of like Chuck Jones level and Looney Tunes, I I've never seen animation that can just capture <laughs> an entire emotion. Just you look at a character's face, you know exactly what they're thinking, and it's incredible. Um. And and I I personally I feel for Katara here. I know. I, Delia, you're probably not. Lynn's, you know, I'm nah. not you sure. But, no, like, I feel, I feel for that you're, like, this is her chance. Like, she's able to kind of be an expert. And, like, Aang is kind of good at most of the things that he does. He's already basically, a, I mean, he already is a master airbender. Um, he's traveled the world. He kind of knows a lot. He's the chosen one. And it, you can sort of see that, like, Katara has this moment of, like, okay, for once I'm, I'm going to be the one who's going to be teaching him. I'm going to be teaching the Avatar. And she sees very quickly how she's not that great and, and, and it's, it's going to be hard. And you can see, like, it's not that Aang is trying to be upset or trying to upset her, but it just, just she's it losing her moment in the sun. And it's, it's, I, can, I, I at least can empathize with that, that it's, it's, it's something that you, you feel like you want, but you just can't. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, especially because um, I feel like for Katara, like, her waterbending, like, that's, like, a key part of her. She's like, I'm a waterbender. I'm the last, I'm the last waterbender in the entire South Pole. Like, it's very important to her. And so I feel like especially when she had it so much ingrained in her mind, like, we're going to go up to the North Pole. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help him. I'm going to help Aang. And then when she sees that, maybe 
she doesn't need she can't help him as much as like she really think thought that she could and like this is honestly i feel like this is something to her that she feels like it's really it, it's a part of her and it maybe it's not as big of a part like it maybe it's not i don't know something about like the lack of being able to perform as well as ang kind of then diminishes the um her feeling of ability to even do it Mm-hmm. My thing is, I yeah, can yeah, I, I can sympathize with the feeling of being overshadowed by someone, especially when they literally just started doing something that you were good at. But just throughout the episode, I thought to myself that what she was doing was just was just really selfish. Like you you recognize the fact that he needs to be good at this, and you are actively. Um, trying to surpass him for your own sake right now. And I recognize that, you know, again, she's 14, but... I I, I don't know. I, I, I don't like that as an excuse. If it, Like, if you don't like what she's doing, I think it's completely okay to be upset with it. I disagree with you, but I don't, I don't think that saying, like, oh, well, she's 14, it's okay. I mean, if you think she's selfish, then say she's selfish. You know, you don't... I don't think you need to justify in like, oh, she's 14, it's okay. Yeah, no, I just, I think that it's very selfish that rather than, and and she's fully aware of what their priority needs to be. Um, Like, she knows that they're supposed to keep him safe and that they're supposed to make sure that he learns what he needs to learn. But instead, she's prioritizing herself, which is pretty uncharacteristic. Um, And just stealing the scroll... While it was kind of badass, it, it's just, it was a stupid move because it's like, you're going to be in the Northern Water Tribe in like two weeks and yeah, they're a bunch of sexists and they're going to give you a hard time, but you don't know that right now. So I don't really think she had any excuse to steal it. I mean, I, I think A, you have to be very careful with the two weeks and now you weren't obviously here last week, but you know, we, the time is very complicated, but um, I don't know. I, I disagree with that a lot because I think that one you sort of say, like, she knows the priorities, but I, I don't think that's true because we see in this, in, in this, like, Aang doesn't have a sense of priorities with this stuff. Like, he does not have any real understanding of what actually needs to happen. They just found out the sort of need for Aang to learn as quickly as possible. Yeah, but I also and, wouldn't so I, call Aang, like, the rational one here. Like, she's kind of supposed to be the mom friend. I mean, she and she is. She is the mom, but she. I, I think that, to, I, as Lindsay said, like there's a lot of Katara's identity tied up in the idea that she's the last, um, bend, you know, vendor, uh, waterbender in the south, whole South Pole, and you sort of say like, oh, she's like, you know, trying to pass him, but like, it's not like she actively prevents Ang from learning. I mean. It's one thing if she's like, no, you can no longer waterbend ever. It's like, no, I want to learn one move and then you can use it. Like, I don't, I understand what you're saying. And yes, she takes some risks and there are some things that are a little bit out of character for her. But to me, it's not so much that they're out of character. It's that we can see how much this emotion is affecting her, how much her identity is tied to wanting to learn waterbending. And she sees a chance for her to do that and i and you also have to keep in mind that and we saw this in um in in prison with haru that she says that like the only way she can feel close to her mom is by practicing her water bending and 
remember, like, Katara has all this guilt brought, uh, held inside that the reason her mom is dead is because she's a waterbender and because her mom was protecting her. Mm-hmm. So she sees training as a waterbender as honoring her mother. So it's sort of this, like, moment where I think that Katara, living kind of in a small town, so to speak, and where she's the only waterbender, and I think she kind of sees herself as a pretty... You know, maybe not a great one, but like, oh, she's kind of figured some things out on her own. And it's impressive that she's figured these things out on her own. And then she gets it thrown in her face. It's like, no, it's not that impressive. You know, Aang learns this instantaneously. And it, I think that really shakes her and causes her to change or sort of act in a way that, that seems out of character. But I think it is, it's actually very in character for how much, how important learning waterbending is to her. Hmm. That makes sense. So. so then we move on to the uh, market, and once again, I'm going to say this every single week, but we get another nice new location. Like y- you know this port. Lo- yeah. Oh yes, I know. It's in the notes. Okay, we will just, get just there, checking. Lindsay. But we get another like once again we get a, a, a this port that looks completely different from from other the other parts we've seen. It's suddenly rough and dirty, and and it feels like so much more you know, exotic than, than we've seen before. You know, you, we've had, you know, towns, we've had cities, we've had temples, and suddenly we have a port. And it's just like, once again, like, even, we're only nine episodes into the show, but we've had so many different locations that all look and feel very distinctive. And mm-hmm. I think that's great. Like, it, it'd be so easy to make this feel like, oh, generic port, like every other place we've been to. But no, it feels very different and very unique. And that's that's really, really good. Mm-hmm. I always value that in the whole series, just their ability to um, really make each individual place, like, very unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, even the character designs, like, they they consider, they don't put every single character in the same exact outfit with the same exact hairstyle, like, that was used, like, four episodes ago. Like, every time is a bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it shows how much geography impacts culture, which is mm-hmm. just such a such a useful a part of world plus. building. Yep. And then we get introduced to the pirates, and I have to say, like the pirates are, you know, I'm not in terms of the fandom, I, they're relatively like, but like they they're framed as being relatively bad. But I think that it's like really important to note that they are very unique in this world, as it's really the only time that we see from. Um, and I'm skipping ahead a little bit because we don't see this until the, the, the pirates uh, all come out to attack. But we actually see, like, earthbenders. We see some um, firebend- or fire nation type uh, people. Obviously not benders, but we like, from close, it seems like this is a group of, like, diverse mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, really interesting that this is a world where there is a pretty rigid nationalistic structure of, like, mm-hmm. earth nation, fire nation, water tribe. And yet these people are... No, they're pirates. They just want money. They're not evil like the Fire Nation or good like the Earth Kingdom. They're just kind of out for the money, which is really, which is really cool. Really cool. And you can just see that, like, they're the even the opening line, which is very like you know, Earth Nation, Fire Nation. We don't care as long as you have money. And I, I, I really like that because you can see that for sort of a brief moment. You, there are some people in this world who are sort of letting the war slip away and just focusing on what is important to them. Um, also, 
I can see 100% where Varric came from. This is this is where Varric came from. And I love Varric in Legend of Korra. I, mm-hmm. Varric is awesome. So any moment you can see, um, you can see Varric. Um, another thing uh, we sort of talked about, I was talking about the different locations. I like how clearly out of place Sokka, uh, Aang, and Katara's clothing are and how it it's very obvious they're not yeah. from this one place. And I, that's, that's, I think, also really cool that like too often you'll see a show where either everyone is dressed so weirdly you can't place mm-hmm. anything or everyone's dressed the same. It's like, no, you, you can tell who where a person is from, who a person is, just from their character design and from their clothes they wear, which is just a really, really nice um, bit of, of depth to it. Yeah, that's kind of a funny thing about something in this episode that I noticed is I would think, I mean, it's the Earth Nation, so I guess that it's not exactly hostile territory, but I don't know. I would think that I would try to blend in a little bit more if I were the Avatar. I mean, I guess Katara and Sokka really can't since they are they look quite different in terms of ethnicity. But Aang, at least, could, I don't know, grow his hair out like how he did in Book 3. Pretend that he's not an airbender. But then again, I guess nobody would necessarily realize that he was, an, I mean, an airbender. I, I mean, I think it's partially that early on, especially at this point, is that like people aren't entirely... We're still not whole, entirely sure if everyone knows the Avatar is back or, mm-hmm. or how much. And also, like, I don't think Aang recognizes how big a deal it is. Like, I think that's also a part of it. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, Aang um, says, I think in other times Aang said, oh, no, it's in it's in um, The Awakening when he's like, I won't go out unless I can wear my tattoos with pride. But, like, I think that is partially, like, Aang's not good. He's an airbender. He, I don't think he, he understands yet the, um, the gravity of mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we're on the ship, I, I like the, like, all the stuff that's on the ship. I, I think that they do, it's a nice, like, way of hinting at the depth of this world without really explaining anything. There's no, like, mm-hmm. we don't know what that monkey statue is. It never really comes back, but it's just, like, a nice little, it feels interesting. It, it hints that there's, like, a lot of other stuff mm-hmm. going on. Um, do you mean the statue that Iroh holds? Yes. I found it really funny when, um, when he was holding that and... Zuko and the guys going on about the the girl and the bald monk and when Zuko says um whatever the hell he said about it whenever he when he asked about Aang Iroh just sort of faces the camera and he's making like the horrified face that the monkey has and I was like oh this is so fitting <laughs> yep that is Iroh I didn't notice that I have to like find that now <laughs> Yeah, he, like, um, mirrors its face as Zuko like, says it, so it's like, ah! <laughs> he's like, fi- we were finally on vacation for five minutes, and we need to run I into the Avatar. I was gonna get my monkey statue, but goddammit, Zuko! I was gonna get my lotus tile. Yes. Um, now, the, the thing about the scroll itself that I... I, I obviously, it's, it's the, the sort of main plot point for this uh, episode, but I also think the scroll is very important because of how much it shows that bending is more than just fighting, that it's also an art form, it's also a Mm -hmm. way of life, because this scroll isn't, it's obviously meant to be an educational thing to show someone how to to bend, but the fact that a nobleman in the Earth Kingdom would want it says that this is a, you know, a piece of art, that this Mm -hmm. is something that someone, that someone just rich would want to have. And I think that's really, really cool because it shows that 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 water bending and all forms of bending it's it's more than just 
oh, the magical fighting that happens to be in this world, that it's it's a little bit, it's much deeper than that, that, you know, great bending can be an art form, mm-hmm. just like real martial arts. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm going to... I wish I could go to Charles. I'm going to pop in here real quick just to yep. also add that, because, of course, me being the art history nerd I am, but when I, yes, when I yes, saw that are. whole idea of this ancient water bending scroll so it's a, it's an it's a, it's a scroll from a certain culture that shows a certain way of performing an action and these pirates have it so then it kind of brings up the question of well how did they get it and how are they selling it like the validity of it and then i couldn't help but think of the um black market of chinese and uh southeast and even just uh Asian countries in general, the art and um, certain objects from those cultures, they were often, especially in the 1900s and even today, like there's a whole black market dedicated to um, essentially taking these aspects of specific cultures, especially from Asia, and then selling them to like the highest bidder. And Mm -hmm. so I just kind of appreciated that. I was just like, look at that. Yeah, yep. sorry. <laughs> no, you are one of the main many reasons why you are here is to be our art, art history. And friend. I was like, look, it's like what they did to those ancient Chinese paintings in the uh, early 1900s, and just selling them to wealthy American tycoons, and then not really caring about the cultural validity of whether or not you stole it or not. Look at that. I feel yep. I feel kind of bad for that Earth Nation guy who wanted this pretty pretty scroll. Nope, no He's mercy. He's not gonna get he it. Already paid for it. Nope. <laughs> He'll keep his hundred gold pieces. Listen, it's back I wonder to if the it was Toph's father. To. Oh my god! Imagine if it was Toph's father. Ooh. Oh. Although it's it's now in Wan Shi Tong's library, so. Yeah. yeah. Well. Things. Um, this is in a library. So we get we get our little escape scene and it was a good escape scene uh lindsay does want me oh to mention God. there was the cabbage, cabbage merchant he is oh, back the cabbage um, which is very important um overall i mean i think the escape was fine i don't it was nothing nothing particularly yeah, special. special um other than the cabbage and his mention of, of omashu this place well, is worse than omashu it, it is and eventually he will do some terrible terrible it things. wasn't him well his grandson or yeah, something. Oh my. Um, so, obviously, uh, I talked a little bit about it before, but just to sort of put another piece on it, like I, I, I like how much of an out of character moment it is for for Katara to steal this scroll, and like how like later on she's gonna scold Toph for scamming people, even though they're like bad people, and in some ways Katara kind of justifies what she's doing with, oh, they're pirates, they stole it, it's okay to steal from them, but in reality, I think this is just. For me, at least, a very clear indication of like how much grief turns her into an entirely different person, and how emotions can at times get the better mm-hmm. of her. Which, in some ways, works as a waterbender, as someone who kind of lets their emotions flow. It's very, you know, much like that. It, it kind of makes sense that Katara does have this, can do this, and uh, like later on when we see in the Southern Raiders, when we see like the, the the strongest out of character, so to speak, moment for Katara, when she she almost kills someone purely out of grief it's like you can see how much that emotion affects her Mm. 
So Delia mentioned a little bit before about Iroh, um, but I will say one of my favorite Iroh lines, not my favorite, but one of my favorite Iroh lines is the only thing better than finding what you are looking for is finding something you aren't looking for at a great bargain. Which oh, A makes Iroh. me think, is it possible Iroh is Jewish? <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm glad that or, you said you know, it because I thought Chinese. about making a joke, but then I remembered. Or, you know, Chinese. But also, like, that is... It, there's a little that is Iro a little bit of Iro philosophy right there. It's like you know, in like I know like it, it sounds like shopping, but like you know, sometimes in life you're looking for one thing, but you find something else that's just right for the moment, and that's perfect. And that's I I, I actually really that is a very nice bit of that's philosophy. like pure Iro right there. Mm-hmm. Love it. So Katara tries to train and learn the water whip, and it's kind of nice that this like will eventually become one of her signature moves is using this whip, um, and kind of how much she she fails miserably with it. Um, also, you know, Aang just not not the time. This is not the moment to try and help. This is Katara is way too far gone for that. Um, not now. And I like. Even though I said before I like that Katara and Aang's relationship doesn't have all that much fighting, there are moments where it is necessary, and I and I, this is actually a moment where I where I do like it. For one, you can see the hurt in Aang's eyes when Katara blows up at him, and and how how much he's just shaken by this, and the fact that a Katara and Sokka are the only family that he currently has, and in, in many ways, like. He, he kind of feels like he's losing them and even worse the reason he's he's hurting guitar the reason he's he's causing a rift is because of how naturally gifted he is and how that's because of the avatar and ang is is so uncomfortable with being the avatar mm-hmm. he feels like he's lost his entire life because of the avatar and for for this like this moment you can kind of feel like how much it's twisting the knife when when guitar is essentially saying to him like you're I can't. I don't want to be around you right now because you're the avatar. Because you're mm-hmm. good at bending, and like, like that's nothing that Kang has no control over. That he's not yeah. trying to show off. He's not rubbing it in Katara's face that he's better than her. He's even been pretty like overall. He's been very um, understanding it, yeah. and like he's pretty I, the only reason I'm learning is because you're teaching me. And yet Katara is still upset. And like this is like a moment where you can see that um, vulnerability, that pain. Yeah, and, and how much just like you, how much you can tell he cares. Like he really does care about her, and he really does care about about his new family. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and I know he doesn't get that much to do in this episode, but I do want to say I like that Sokka can just see how messed up everything like at this point like he can see and it's not that it's hard to see but like he knows that Katara is completely messed up because of this scroll mm-hmm. that, that this this scroll is causing problems and like because this is not a particularly busy episode for Sokka but I think that it is it is nice that like you can like he knows his sister he knows the situation and he can sort of recognize it and, and you know say okay we probably should try and do something about mm-hmm. it um also I the fact that he gets mad that they don't kidnap him at first is yeah. just, <laughs> just classic Sokka. I mean, if that like, if that's not me. Sokka in a nutshell, <laughs> what? I'm okay. not good enough to kidnap? It's like, where's my kidnapping squad? Rude. Yeah. I like how had they not kidnapped him, it probably would have made escaping much easier. Mm-hmm. But but no, he must haunt. Yes. So 
they get captured. Um, we have the scene with uh, with Zuko and Katara. Uh, I that was before that. I'm skipping mm. ahead a little bit, but um, so Lindsay, I will now give you a moment to get on your Zutara soapbox and explain to me why that ship is good and why mine is wrong, and then I will. I, I'm you. not going Go, to start preaching that my ship is good, your ship is wrong. Like I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to okay. say explain though. Explain why you like Zutara. Okay. Well, Preach. first of all, I'm going to explain. For some reason, in my head, when like when I first saw this episode. I was actually kind of leaning towards Katang. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, look at them, they're so cute. And, but then for some reason, the moment he said, I'll save you from the pirates, like, something in my little 12, 13-year-old head was just like, oh my my gosh, they're perfect together. (laughs) And He's kidnapping her. He's literally listen, holding her against listen, her will. Sometimes, a, sometimes a good kidnapping. <laughs> no, listen. we are not saying you're going to get no, me but, into like lava but, bending territory. Listen, oh, yeah, not lava yeah. bending again. No, sometimes but, a good kidnapping can be real romantic. Let, so, no, it can't. Let Lindsay. Th- finish. That was like 12, 13 year old me because I was just a weird kid. I was just like, oh my gosh. He's oh, gonna save her. Oh, we are completely <laughs> yeah. aware. So I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's, he's gonna save her." He's and then I would right just kind of think about it, and I'm thinking to myself, like, you know what? That would be <laughs> that would be really cool to see. Just like seeing like Zuko and Katara together, and that's that was my mentality as a kid. Right now, I'm saying this was not one of my aha moments. Okay, like that okay, that's not now. That's I'm fine. I am saying though, like looking back on it this was my like oh my gosh i ship them kind of moment and okay but, and it was as a kid like i i've always been like more drawn to like regular ho- the brooding yeah boy. Okay? the bad like, boy I'm, I'm, oh listen, yes i'm gonna be that person i'm sorry okay i know you're that i'm apologizing to anyone that's listening right now and they're just like oh my gosh how i've known you a girl. long time like right there like i know what is staring at you right now, or who is staring at you right Shut now? <laughs> what? Oh my. We're not going to talk Don't. about it. <laughs> I'm still waiting for it to fall off the ceiling, okay? <laughs> oh god. We all got types. Yeah, so, but listen, that was my belief at the time. It holds now for different reasons. But, again, though, this was the episode when I was first watching the whole series that made me go more towards Zatara. Also, I mean, can she really be mad that that Zuko showed up and started kidnapping them? I mean, if she hadn't stolen the scroll. Yes, she can be mad. But if she She hadn't stolen the scroll, then this would never have happened. Okay. That's really not... This would never have happened, Marker. (laughs) Marker, this kidnapping... Was her fault. That part where she's like, Ang, this is all my fault. And he's like, no, it's not. And yes, Iroh's like, actually, yeah. <laughs> actually, it kind of is. In Iroh's case, yes, it was a funny line. but And, and it, also reality's case. Fault? Sure, 
But it's not like Katara can be like, oh, well, I messed up, so it's completely okay that you're trying to destroy the world. Because, you know. He's not trying I to destroy strong. the world. Yes, he's, he is. No. He's trying to turn the Avatar over to the Fire Nation and destroy the world. He just wants to resolve his daddy issues. Yeah. Yes, not- he does. But those <laughs> daddy issues will destroy the world. Yes, but you can't say that he's the one trying to destroy the world because that's not his. Yeah motivation yeah but at this point it's he's not disillusioned <laughs> zuko's he's kidnapping zuko's kidnapping is valid i am if, fine with it if you believe that kidnapping is something that leads to romantic involvement <laughs> i'm not saying I, that kidnapping we need to have another conversation off off this about why rape is wrong oh Listen. god we're not I am but not saying we're not doing that right i am now. not saying so, that kidnapping should be on. the golden standard I'm saying we are moving on. Listen, we will have this. We will oh. continue this discussion later, oh, young yeah. man. We're moving on. So we get back to they, they they've captured Aang and and Sokka, and um, this is definitely my favorite uh, Sokka moment of the show, and it might actually be one of my favorite like moments of the episode is Sokka playing the them off of each other with the. Mm-hmm. Um, with telling the pirates that he's that Aang's the Avatar and the reward they can get, yeah, because it's just it's it's perfect for Sokka and he plays it mm-hmm. so well. Where he's just like, imagine the reward you could get. Like mm-hmm. you guys would be set. It's it's just a bad business decision. And like Aang has no, no. idea what he's doing. He's like <laughs> Sokka, shut your mouth. And he's just like, just like you know, chumming it up with these guys. It's just so I love yeah. I love this. I love Sokka. Yeah, I think that Sokka's intelligence. I think Sokka's Sokka. intelligence is much more subtle, but it's definitely there. Whereas he's not necessarily considered the brains behind everything. I mean, he uh, is. Yeah, no, he is, but he's not necessarily considered to be so. Most yeah, of the time. I mean, he. I, I. If you're saying, yeah, he's the com- he's definitely the comic relief character. But I think that I like that Sokka is actually most of the time the brains behind the plans and everything mm-hmm. because. Like that, and I, I'll say this, you know, for like the fifteenth time, but I'll keep saying it because it's amazing. Like I, that's to me, that's how you do a comic relief character: is you have a character mm-hmm. who actually is objectively the smartest person in the room, but is just funny and makes a lot of jokes. But he's actually the one who, for the most part, is doing the most legwork for from a like a book smart type of way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Then we get the fight, and I love this fight. This is actually, I mean, this is one of my favorite fights. Um, I know I've probably said that a few times because this is a fighting show and there's a lot of great fights, but I like this, and I'll compare this a lot, this fight in many ways to the fight with uh, on Kiyoshi. And I, I think the Kiyoshi one is a little bit better because the music is timed a little bit better and there's like the setting really fits really well. But overall, I, I love this fight in that it's it's so different from anything else we see. I said that about the Kyoshi fight where now we have firebenders versus pirates with all these different weapons and then you've got the subplot of Aang and Katara and Sokka trying to escape where it's not like one-on-one. It's sort of like a bit mixed up. There's a lot of different alliances. Um, and the, the fight between the captain and uh, Zuko, the little uh, quick cut with the... Um, with the uh, when he sticks the sword and, and Zuko kind of blocks it with his arm a little bit, it's just uh, the animation there is so unbelievably well done, and it's one of my favorite music cues in in all of fighting with that in any fight with that. Um, 
with that initial fight where you sort of like you can see the the skill involved on both sides but it's but it's different i mean like we're never we never see another fight really like this i mean we see a few sword fights later on once you know saka learns swords but this is like this is a, a different style because it's a pirate style and overall like i i i'll continue to say that the thing that makes this show truly special aside from all the great stuff with characters all this great stuff with story is just the attention to detail mm-hmm. And how they made every, like so many fights feel completely different, and this is um, a moment of that. Um, and then one small like cinematography standpoint, it was a very interesting transition using the having the scroll flying through the air and then cutting directly to the sword mm-hmm. falling. Um, it was just an interesting, an interesting way to match screen, uh, match a screen transition. Um, and I don't think the show does all that much with with cutting. This is not. Like I don't, I very rarely notice the cinematography in this show. I think that for the most part, they're not trying to call attention to it. But that was a moment where I actually did notice it, and I'm curious what you guys thought of if you even noticed it, and if you did, what you thought about it. I, I didn't, didn't notice it. I didn't really notice it, but now that you mention it, I think like unintentionally, I was like, "Huh, that was cool." But it wasn't like one of those. Yeah, it definitely looks. It wasn't cool. one of those things where I was just like, "Oh wow, that cinematography is amazing." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not only it's a, not so much that it's amazing. It's just that it's like it, I've uh, I don't think at any point have I noticed a transition mm-hmm. like that. It was the first time that I like noticed an, an actual sc- uh, screen transition like completely. Yeah. And, I, and part of it's that now that I'm watching a show like this, I'm sort of watching with a very like, we're, critical we're eye where I'm looking for it, little yeah. details. And it was just the first time I'd ever ever noticed something. I was just curious if, if other people noticed it um, off the top. Um, so. Katara and Aang have to uh, bend the water to get out and like even though like nothing is there's we've had no like more development between Aang and Katara since the like the last blow up but Aang is just relentlessly positive and just like it's such a it's such a cute line there with him you know sort of a te- you know two waterbenders you know, he looks at Katara and you can tell that like he still believes mm-hmm. in her he still completely supports her um and I I love that um also was it just me, or was there a mooning? Was was did did that pirate like go to take his pants? Oh, I saw that in your notes, and I was like, "What <laughs> is this?" I didn't I didn't see any butts, which surprises me. No, there was me. no butts, but it was right before before the he, butt he turns his butt. To it was the a audience, pre-butt. Has his hand on his pants like he's gonna pull them down, and then it cuts to Zuko's face, and like. I don't know. Is that am I am I going crazy here? Was he about to moon Zuko? Oh, I mean, I'm I'm pretty good at noticing butts, but I didn't I didn't pick up on any pre-mooning I will preparations. Have to investigate this possible mooning situation and get back yeah, to you. Yeah, same. I'm just gonna yeah. Google Avatar mooning and see, and see if anything <laughs> oh, comes up. Great oh, decision. There are there is a scene when Aang actually sticks his butt out at Dead yeah, Zhao, yeah. and it led to a lot of great dat booty. Memes. I remember that. Oh, oh god, that um, ass dough. And we get an, and we do get another great uh, another great Iro not proverb proverb of, yes. of uh, are you too are you so uh, are you so know, busy fighting that you can't see yeah, your you own ship see is your sinking? Own ship is that's uh, your own ship has set sail, mm-hmm. and good advice. He's he's not wrong. Took nope. um, the ship, and you can see Katara responds pretty well to pressure. Um, you see the end of the episode. One thing is falling down a waterfall a trope. Like I, I don't think so. I'm not. 
Because it seems like it is. Like, this seems like something we see way too often of, like, oh, there's a waterfall. Oh, of course they fall really down. Is, and you're like, oh, look yeah. at that. They Look at that. They survived. Yeah. Yep. And then we we see we see the whistle being important, and it's obviously going to come back. <coughs> um, also, given... Bless you. Thank you. Also, given that there's two waterbenders there, I just... I don't know. I was surprised that neither of them... I don't know. Figured out a way They're to not, not exactly great water. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Ang's Ang's a prodigy. I feel like he could have just fixed everything somehow. Okay. He's the Avatar. He he's not gonna die. I mean, he will Until sooner he or dies. later. Yeah. Until you I mean, know, doesn't he doesn't does. he die at like sixty two? Yeah, oh, but sad. I think. That's partially because, you know, he was trapped in ice for 100 years, and I don't think that does great things to your internal organs. No! Good thought. Same Imagine if just if just throughout Avatar The Last Airbender, he's like, oh god, my spleen. No, being frozen is a medical advancement in science. Mm, okay. So that's why he lived to be 62. <laughs> he had other so, issues, okay? <laughs> I wanted to mention this earlier, but I guess now is perfectly fine when, when Iroh finds the tile. Um, I like that they introduced yes. the White Lotus this early, yes. like a small, a small little nod. But in reality, the plot kind of does hinge on the idea that this tile is really yes, important to Iroh. It does. And at first, you're like, "Oh, Iroh's just funny. He likes to play a game and lost one of his chess pieces." And then you're like, "Oh no, this is the actually one of the most important things that comes deal. out of the show." <laughs> now I know, Linz, you 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 believe in a much more like, Listen. you know. There, planned there is out something, Iro, grand iro conspiracy I, I wouldn't call it a conspiracy i just think that it's not as random like oh yeah so um i'm in the white lotus guys like i think there's a lot more of planning going on this entire time that he is in the white lotus and that he's really kind of doing his best about like trying to monitor zuko and i i, I just feel like there's it's playing a larger part than we really let on I, like I said I do disagree with that, but I think there is there is evidence there to support what it's you're saying. It's the Illuminati um, of this world, and <laughs> it's just nice that they put so like it. it's like it's another little intention to detail moment of like yeah we're gonna we're gonna make this plot about the White Lotus. It's gonna kind of trigger that in our mind, and then we're gonna hear it mm-hmm. later when we get to the desert. We're gonna you know he's gonna play a game of pie show and use the white lotus tablet and suddenly you realize oh there was a method to to the madness um so definitely that's uh iroh is iroh is god we all know this um and then we get a nice little bit of 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 katara humor in the end i will say this um in sort of your defense delia this is one moment that i don't particularly like katara Mm -hmm. i like her line about like unless it's from pirates is pretty out of character and i don't think this is a time for her to be that way um I mean, I understand it's kind of just a joke throwaway line. I don't think it's it's meant, we're meant to read anything into it. But I don't. That is the one line from her that, this episode that I don't like because it feel like it almost feels like this is the time for her to be like, I've learned my lesson. I shouldn't have done that. Good, and it's it kind of is like no, I didn't learn my lesson. Except I did because we're never going to see this this exact side of Katara again. In fact, we're going to see later on her completely scold someone for doing kind of the same mm-hmm. thing because hypocrisy but i don't know one line is not enough for me to go away from hating you know to not stop loving the character even in this episode i don't know the entire time i felt like i really appreciated the part a little bit earlier when like Sokka kind of scolded her for it because 
he was making every point that I was thinking. Like, you could have gotten us killed. Yeah. We don't need this. I was like, yeah, you're a good older brother. You're scolding appropriately. So. Yeah, but in many ways he's not really um, a, an older brother. Like, in, in so many ways he is her child. Um, um, no, he's a he's a wonderful older brother. But that's for another time. So, with that, we're going to uh, wrap up this episode. Unfortunately, it does not seem that Corey and Charles have, have made it on. That's okay. Maybe I will get their thoughts later on and cut them in or something like that. But if I do not, we will hear from them next week. Um, so, Let's go into our final thoughts and our rating. Uh, so, Lindsay, why don't you give us our final, your final thoughts and your rating for this episode? Okay. So, overall, I really like this episode. I feel like it's it's a good way of filling the time after such an important event. And it has so many little things in it that, like, I... It's about even just now kind of like notice all the like little things like oh white lotus tile ah cabbage man ah water bending scroll like all this little tiny stuff and it really adds together to create just a really strong episode I feel and it shows a different side to Katara that we haven't really seen before and I, I definitely appreciated that it shows um, Katara and Aang's friendship deepening and that respect for one another and I feel like this has some really good emotional points in it. And the, I felt like the action sequences were pretty well done. Again, like not like the best thing I've ever seen, but again, pretty well done. And I feel like the whole episode overall, it's just, it's really strong. And I'm going to give this episode an 8.6. Okay. Maybe 8.7. Very good. Kind of switching. 8.7. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Delia. Mm, I mean, I pretty much said everything that I have to say. Uh, Iroh made this episode worth it for me, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've said everything I have to say. I'd give it, like, a four. A four. <laughs> yeah. So you're saying this is a below-average episode of television. For me, yes, very much. Wow. Well, okay. for Avatar, yes, very much for me. No, not for Avatar. For television. For television. Yeah. Maybe the, like the a... Very, the, the rating system is very clear. Like a five is an average episode of television. A so if you're saying you're saying that you turn on the television, you see this episode, you're saying, eh, there's probably something better on. Yeah. Oh. Huh? <laughs> for this episode, That's... yes. If it was the Tales mm-hmm. of Busing, say, I would be like, it's twelve thousand, but. That's not a rating. Listen. Um, that is, not only is that the lowest, you were the first person to give an episode below a five. You're the first person to give an episode below a seven. Oh, I'm I'm so sorry. You'll probably never let me on this show again. I mean, it just seems, it just seems to me you do not like this show as much as other people. No, I like this show. I just, I just particularly don't like this episode. (laughs) I'm sorry. All right. I totally forgot what episode it was until I rewatched it. I thought it was. I thought it. I thought it was the one where Katara um, gets burnt and then realizes that she can heal people. No, that's the deserter. Um, episode sixteen. In which case, when I watch that, uh, I'm like, "Mwahaha! You've been injured." Oh my god! <laughs> wow. And then I give it like an eight. Oh, but but no, for this episode, you hate, you hate Katara. I want Mako to die. It's fine. Yeah, it's um, fine. 
So for me, I, I echo a lot of the sentiments uh, Lindsay said. Um, I think that in general, there's some things to really love about this episode. There's a lot of really good subtle storytelling that I think is 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 phenomenal. Um, and I think that this is probably one. And on that, I think this is one of the most subtle episodes in the show. There's there's a lot. I did not. There's a ton. I did not notice my first time through that I see now with with a really you know with really feeling great about. Um, overall, I think this episode is very good. Um, and echoing Lindsay's sentiment, I'm going to give it an 8.4, um, which is in line with the episodes we've we've said. I, I think overall this show started very well and. I'm going to continue to give pretty high marks um, until we get to some episodes I don't like, which, no spoilers, but we are coming up on. There's some I episodes, already got one episode. I really don't like. Um, well, there's obviously the episode nobody likes, but that's... Wait, what episode is that? Really is that the one... The Great... That's the Divide. Oh, the divide. yeah, the Divide. What, wait, but, which one's the one uh, where, so- where Katara gets burnt? The Deserter, episode 16. Can I come in for episode uh, 16? <laughs> nope. Yoon is on episode 16. Um... All right, so with that, we're going to wrap up uh, this episode. I We should be back uh, next week. I'm hoping to get back on our normal recording schedule so that we will have these episodes up um, at our normal time on Tuesdays. But if we are not, we might be a little bit later in the week. But we should be good. For next week, we are going to the forest to hang out with everyone's favorite bad boy or whatever you want to call Jet. Um, oh, Lord. Yes. <laughs> So, thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Delia, for uh, being on the panel. Um, and I'm glad you guys can listen. As per usual, you can follow us on Twitter at AuntWoo underscore pod. You can ask us questions there. You can also leave comments in iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we are now up on quite a few different locations, so you can look for us there. Thank you very much for listening, and I will see you, or you will hear from us, I guess, next week. Thank you very much. Bye. So it would seem that I have found Corey, although this is actually a day later. But through the magic of editing, I'm just going to add this in here. So, Corey, welcome to the end of this episode. Um, the waterbending scroll, we just heard from Lindsay and Delia and myself on our final thoughts. But I thought I'd give you a quick chance to uh, to give us your thoughts. So essentially what I'm going to do is, is kind of just do the opening, do the end. Um, in terms of like, what are your initial thoughts on this episode? Um, I really like this episode. Um, I feel like I say that every single time I start something in book one, but again, I mean, it's, this is quality stuff we're talking about. Um, definitely not the best episode. Um, it's an episode that I, I think needed to happen. I think it's a very good arc for Katara. And I heard what I missed was people hating on Katara. So I guess only one person. So I guess if you hate on Katara, you're not really going to like this episode, but I happen to like Katara. I happen to like her transformation, becoming a good waterbender. Um, and on Zuko's side, I, I think it's very funny how it begins with uh, Iroh getting that, that white lotus piece uh, for his pie show game. So um, that, that was something I thought was you know, just very fun. And that's such an Iroh thing. <laughs> like, you know, that's like such an Iroh story arc, if that makes any sense to you. Yeah, this was this was a very entertaining Iroh episode. Like, not as, not as like, powerful as previous episodes, but very just funny. I like um, the whole trading thing i like how they they the, all the supplies washed away they go into town they, they find this this water scroll and it's obviously a very important water scroll i like how much it means to katara that she can learn new techniques in water bending which 
exo facto helps out um, Aang because Aang needs to learn water bending anyway. I love the cabin, cabbage merchant's return. Um, I like um, a lot of this episode. I like how this episode also begins the arc between Zuko and Katara. I mean, this is a very important episode for their future, especially with the necklace. Yes. Um, and that's... Yeah. Yeah, keep going. Yeah. Um, this starts off an entire arc, if you think about it. Um, this episode is alluded to a lot later on, especially between uh, Zuko and Katara when Zuko eventually joins Team Avatar. Um, so overall, I, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, I have few So I'm going to give a couple of quick, uh, just a quick few points I want to talk about with you because you weren't here and I figure you should give your opinion. And since you just brought it up, first place I want to start is I kind of let Lindsay get on her soapbox a little bit about Sutara. I went through my soapbox because I think this is a very powerful Katang episode. I think there's a lot of it in this episode. So I will give you the same opportunity. Get on your soapbox, defend your ship. Why is Zutara good if it is, in fact, good in this episode? If it isn't, then you can say it isn't and just move on. Well, this episode, it's not good, but again, we're talking about the overall picture here. And the reason I like Zuko with Katara, the idea of them, especially when I first ever watched the series, is that that's like an overarching arc right there. I mean, first off, you have the, the whole sharks versus uh, jets thing, where you got a fire, a prince from the Fire Nation. You got you got what, the Water Nation. I like that you went back to West Side Story and not back to, you know, Shakespeare. Like you're like, oh, it's based on West Side Story, not, you know, sure. it's based Capulets on Capulets and, and Montagues, sure. We'll we'll go Romeo I'm and Juliet. Fun of you. But yeah, I mean, listen. Now this is the whole point is knowing where the entire series ends up. Obviously Ang and Katara work out for the best. And obviously I mean, I, I, I can't really talk about them as parents because they're probably really shitty parents, as you saw how screwed up their kids are. Well, I think Katara is a good parent. I think uh, Aang is very clearly a shitty parent. Sure. And I, I, just, I always thought, uh, my first viewing of the series, I always thought it made sense, as I said earlier on in earlier episodes, it makes sense for Aang to have an infatuation with Katara. I just don't get how Katara gets to that point. But whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll go about we'll go against that. I liked the idea of Zuko and Katara, you know, mending their relationship and, 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 you know, but now that I know that obviously they're not meant to be, it's, it's what it is. That's why I kind of think this is kind of like a throwaway. Cause again, when you first watch this, sure. You see Zuko, Katara, you don't know that Zuko's going to join team avatar, but then there's a lot of episodes where like, I almost think they're going to hit at it and it never gets really hinted at. And then eventually you just come to the realization that Katara is going to hang up with Aang. So it's what it is. I, don't I don't have listen I there's ships I completely do not support there's ships I completely do support I'm very indifferent about where Katara en ends up I I don't mind that it's Aang I I, I think honestly my honest opinion I would have liked it better if it was Zuko but you know what doesn't no nothing gets derailed for me it's what it is okay that's totally fair but I just figured I'd give you that opportunity um, the other thing big thing I want to talk about is just Iroh in this episode um, I know you have probably the biggest love for Iroh on this show, although obviously all of us really like him. So if, if there's anything specific about Iroh you want to talk about on this show, I think um, in this episode I'll give you the opportunity now. It's, um, it's really, I, I, could, I could go on for hours. I mean, again, I, I love... The, Please don't. I love the whole concept <laughs> behind him going to try to get a, a pie show piece while on, on Team Avatar's side they're going to get the supplies that were washed away. It's like funny how, how one is super 
mega important while the other one's like, hey, I'm, I'm missing a piece of my favorite game. So it's like, that's that's great. I mean, Zuko versus the pirate captain is a really cool fight, I thought. Um, yeah, I talked about that a lot. I love that fight. Um, not a lot to say. Um, this is, if again, if, if I'm going through the best of Iro episodes, this has a lot of gold for a montage, if that makes any sense to you. Oh, yes. I, I said it I said it earlier, so, you know, for viewers, you're going to hear the second time, but I, the line, the, the, the only thing better than finding what you were looking for is finding something you weren't looking for at a great bargain. Is a, is a, that is an Iro line right there, and that's up, up in up in the pantheon of great Iro quotes. Oh, Iro oh yeah, 100, 100%. So, yeah, and in order to avoid me ranting about how much I like Iro, like yeah. I do every episode, I'll, I'll leave it at that, so... Yeah, so the one last thing I want to ask you before I get into your rating, um, and I, I, there's a good chance you're not going to have noticed this, but I was asking the, the panel, when during the fight, um, if there was a moment when the, the scroll gets stolen and it's flying through the air and then there's a cut to a sword doing the same motion landing in the ground when Aang uh, eventually uses it to get himself free, or Sokka uses it to get himself free. Um, and my question is, did you notice that cut? Um, no. Okay. I'm just curious because we were talking a little bit about the cinematography of that moment. And I was, it's like the first time I've ever noticed cinematography in this show. And I was curious if that was just me being a little bit too, like, watching everything for as critical as possible or if other people are noticing it. All right. That's fine. And so just, cool. yeah, just quickly, yep. quickly before you, you yep. go, I, I just, no, go ahead. I love how he uh, he he realizes that the the whole end of the episode is his sleeve his entire time. Of course, yeah, it's, yes, it's great. Um, all right, so your rating for this episode uh, out of ten, um, I will give this um, probably a seven point five. That's probably the lowest rating I've given, and that's not an insult to the episode. Um, it's very much above average. I mean, a seven five is still a very is that's still a good, you know a very good rating. That that's still within the the very good sort of echelon of, of episodes. Absolutely, it's definitely above average for for general television yeah. for me. It's fun. It's a it's a very good episode that's very necessary in the entire the the series. So I'm I'm not gonna give it lower because you know anything lower is just average. This episode was very important. Um, it, and um, I think it, it, it's a strong 7.5. It's something that's, like, firm, a great episode. I would recommend it to anyone watching this series. All right. Thanks, Corey, for jumping on. So I did the outro already, uh, but I'll just say once again, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Wu underscore pod. Tune in next week. Uh, we should have some people for the next episode. Thanks, guys, for listening to this, and that's good.